بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد في بيوت أذن الله أن ترفع ويذكر فيها اسمه يسبح له فيها بالغدو والآصال رجال رجال لا تلهيهم تجارة ولا بيع عن ذكر الله وإقام الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة يخافون يوما تتقلب فيه القلوب والأبصار So our dear brothers, dear friends we, mashallah, especially in the month of Ramadan, we come to the masjid quite often. And since most people are coming to the masjid, there's generally not a need to speak about the benefits or the virtues of the masjid and what you get from coming into the masjid. Maybe this is something that we heard a very long time ago, and we've been coming to the masjid. So it's just today, I decided for whatever reason that let us talk about what are the virtues of the masjid, what we get out of coming to the masjid, just that, so that it inshallah acts as a greater motivation for us to come more often even outside of the month of Ramadan. Ramadan is such a blessing that two weeks ago we probably wouldn't have been here right now. But because of the blessings of Ramadan, mashallah, we have this motivation to sit in the masjid. So if we can inshallah increase that, that participation, then that will be great. First and foremost, the masajid in this world, according to some athar, some uh, narrations from the Sahaba, the masjids in this world are like the way we see the stars in the sky. You know when we look up at the sky on a nice night when you actually can see the scars with, uh, stars when there's not too much light pollution in the city of London, for example, and you see this whole network of stars. So for those who are the inhabitants of the heavens, when they look onto the earth, the lights that they see are the, are the masajid. So the masajid in this world, they look like stars, they appear like stars for the inhabitants of the heavens because that's the places of light from which light disseminates. That's very different from the way we look at pictures of the earth now, the globe, the earth from, from space where you see a lot of light in the developed countries. And when you look at Africa, it's mostly dark, right? But to be honest, it's actually more natural there because there's this whole discussion that to an abundance of light at night is actually causing a lot of change to the animal habitat. They need to sleep as well. And this light pollution is actually causing them. So for example, a lot of us, there's some people who can't sleep if they, if they have even a smallest light on. They need complete pitch darkness. It's upsetting because light has an effect. There's an effect, the daytime has an effect for us. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He made a nawma subata and layla libasa. That the night is there specifically for a purpose. And we're upsetting that balance. But anyway, so regardless of that, the inhabitants of the heavens, they see the masjids as the lights. And here we are actually sitting inshallah right now in that light source. We are sitting in that light source. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open up the doors of His mercy when we come in here. Allahumma li abwaaba rahmatik. Oh Allah, open up the doors of your mercy for us. When we go outside, we say, Allahumma inni asaluka min fadlik. 
And there's a secret in the reason why we do this. When we come into the masjid, we want mercy from Allah. So then we're asking for the doors of mercy to open up. So when we're here, we're basking in that mercy. And hopefully, when we leave here, we can take some back home with us for the rest of our family members. Because this mercy stays with us. And hopefully, if we don't do anything weird on the way, look at the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, that we lose all of this mercy by the time we get home. So the whole purpose is that when we come to the masjid, hopefully we can get back and maintain some of that mercy. But when we leave the masjid, the dua is, Oh Allah, I ask you for your fadl and grace. And in many places, fadl and grace has been considered to be wealth. Rather than wealth, provisions. So, such a beautiful dua. If somebody, when he comes to the masjid and goes out, four or five times a day, three times a day, whatever number of times they're coming in, they're asking for mercy inside, they're being spiritually motivated when they go outside they're going to have barakah inshallah in their earning in their livelihood they're going to have a blessing so that's a beautiful that's a uh, beautiful therapy and uh, basically a solution to maybe a lot of our problems that's number one number two what is a masjid one day the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was there and he heard somebody making an, an, an announcement in the masjid about a lost animal something that was lost so the Prophet I mean, you know the Prophet is never aggressive, he's never rude, right? Now he's not being rude or aggressive here, but this is what he said. He said, La wajat, may you never find this. May you not find it. The masjid is not a place to announce these things. And then the Prophet said, Innama buniyatil masajid lima buniyatla. These masjids are constructed for the purpose for which they're constructed. Maybe giving the people the impression that, you know, reminding them that they should know what the purpose of the masjid is. It's not to, I know it's a nice gathering place where everybody comes together and that's why it's, it's an easy place to make an announcement for something that's lost, right? Or it's also, to be honest, I mean, the masjid has also become a good place for recruiters of pyramid schemes. A lot of Muslims. Right? They get into this pyramid scheme, they buy packages and then they have to sell the packages on. And the reason why the masjid is a nice place for that is because several times a day you're, visit, you're meeting a lot of people. Right? So it's a very social place that people make it. But the Prophet ﷺ said, no, the masjids are basically cr- created for what they've been created for. And Imam Qurtubi, then he explains, this is a hadith that's related by Imam Muslim, by the way. Imam Qurtubi comments, the great Mufassir, he says that this indicates that the original reason and the primary reason and the only reason, the asal, is that uh, a person should not in the masjid do anything besides prayer and remembrance of the Qur'an, a remembrance of Allah and reading the Qur'an. The primary purpose of the masjid is recitation of the Qur'an, remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and making salat. The reason why this is important to understand is because there's a lot of people out there who try to make the masjid the center of the Muslim community, which it is in a sense. It's, the, it's a jami'. Now understand in a Muslim community, the, the recommendation is that they, they're not just be some in one area, in one large area, that they just not be one big masjid or two big masjids that takes too long for everybody to get to. Because if you've got a big masjid, Right? It's going to cover a wider area. The people who are living further away, maybe more than 7 to 10 minute walk away, it's inconvenient for them to come for every prayer. Especially in a fast-paced life, you need to be able to have access to a masjid within, I would say, between 2 to 5 minutes maximum. So that's why even in Muslim, communi- Muslim countries, you, had, you have 
many musallas, which means localized places of prayer, localized masjids. If they're dedicated to Allah forever, meaning they're not temporary places, then they are shari masjid as well. If they're temporary, you're just renting. It's a floor of a building. It's just a shop front that you're renting for a while. You haven't purchased it. You can't endow it and dedicate it to Allah forever. Then it's not a masjid. Essentially, a masjid is something you dedicate forever for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It can never then be changed because it comes out of you, uh, any human uh, ownership as such. It's Allah's ownership, right? So like this place, I'm assuming is such a place. But you don't just have, a, you know, the idea is to have many smaller areas, whether they're masjids or musallas, people can go to very conveniently. That's why if you go to even cities in India, I've seen this where literally every two streets, you've got a small masjid. Now maybe a 30 people gathering there, 15 people gathering there, but that's fine. But then they generally recommended that you only have one jami. And the jami is where the Jum'ah uh, uh, prayer takes place. Now that would be very difficult to do in London because London is, I mean, essentially if the way I compare London is if you go up north to Yorkshire or to Lancashire and you have the Blackburn, Preston, Bolton and so on, they're basically like all of these little areas close together whereas here it's the same thing. You know, Ilford is a different area. Um, even Balfour Road compared to this area is quite a distance away. Imagine if, that, if you had to go five times a day to pray there, it wouldn't be convenient and Allah wants this to be convenient. That you just pop in, pray, and come back out, right? And th that that's great. And if you want, if you've got a, I mean, I know uh, space is a premium in this city, but if you've got space and there's a need in your area, well, you just open up your garage, you know, uh, for for five daily prayers. It's a musalla. So now, generally, the idea is that you come together for Jumu'ah. So the Muslims they congregate locally for their local masjids five times a day, three, four times a day, however many times they can. Once a week they come together, right? They come together as people of the town or the city. Now again, that's very difficult in London to do because you'd be stuck in traffic for two hours if you're trying to get from one side of London to the other. So that's why we have Jumu'ah and it's allowed, especially in the Hanafi school, it's allowed anyway to have Jumu'ahs in all of the masajid. And even in musallas it's allowed, even in schools it's allowed to have, as long as there's open uh, permission to enter. So that's why we have Jumu'ah like that. Then, Allah, uh, then the idea is that in Eid time, Everybody comes together. That's when you only have one Eid prayer. But again, even in London, you can't even do that anymore. Because imagine getting everybody, that's a million Muslims of London coming together. That, that would be very difficult. But that was originally the idea. But you see that locally you go five times a day. That is for your spiritual nourishment. You're getting occupied by your job, distracted by your work. You go and you remember Allah five times a day. If you can't do it, if you can't go to a masjid, then do jama'ah at home. Inshallah, you will, for men, it's nearly wajib according to many scholars. Some say sunnah muqadah, some say wajib to pray in congregation. So now if you've missed it in the masjid, and, or you can't conveniently get to the masjid, make a jama'ah with your wife, your children at home. So at least you'll fulfill the obligation, you'll fulfill that obligation. And the minimum reward of a congregation is about 15 times the amount. In a masjid, it's 25 to 27. So when you come and pray in a masjid, it's 25 to 27 times the reward. If you pray in a congregation elsewhere, there's reports up to 15 times, if I remember correctly. That you get the reward 15 times as much. Plus, as men, you're fulfilling the obligation. So this is just some general laws that we're trying to refresh for ourselves. So now the idea is that we have, we have these masajid. And they are, a lot of people, they think, say it's a center of the community. And hence, everything should happen from here.
You know, the voting should happen and everything should happen in a masjid. And that's not true. To be honest, my ideal, uh, my ideal would be that churches are actually... I, I've been to numerous churches to give talks. Generally, the way churches function is that they have the sanctuary, which is what we would call the Jamaat Khana, the masjid, the masjid proper. Then they have all of these auxiliary areas. They have, you know, they, they have a lecture hall, they have a dining area, and so on, like some masajid or some people, uh, 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 some people like to call them Islamic centers, right? So there's a masjid. The masjid is actually the Jamaat Khana itself, the, the prayer hall area, which has been designated. And again, there's whole laws related to that. Right, that it's whatever has been intended. So for example, if you've got this prayer hall, those who constructed and designed this place and endowed this place, if they decided that the actual masjid proper here will only be the first five rows and the rest of it is the auxiliary, that's fine. So this technically, the first five rows will be masjid and the other part will be an extension. You still get reward for praying there, but obviously the masjid holds greater reward. Right? And then of course, when women are coming to the masjid, they're not allowed, if they're in their menses, to come into the masjid area, but they go, they, they have to stay in the auxiliary area. They can go into other rooms. Like if there's a lecture in a masjid, they're allowed to go into other rooms. They just can't come into the Jamaat Khana proper, if it's a proper masjid. Anyway, that's all the laws aside. Let us move on now. A masjid, to be honest, needs to be a place where people come and find solace, comfort, tranquility, peace, privacy with their Lord. It should not be a place where they come and they get distracted. Otherwise, why are they coming to a masjid for? The outside is full of distraction. The home is full of distraction. So the masjid should be a place where we don't have that kind of distraction. And that's why the idea of the masjid is that it, there's a focus in the masjid of what should be done here. So now you can understand that the masjid is primarily a place of prayer and devotion. Primarily. Right? Uh, again, as I said, you can have auxiliary areas where you can do other things. Right? That's completely fine and that's not a problem because generally in many communities you had a masjid and you had shops close by. Right? And those shops tend to be the busiest supermarkets because, mashallah, they have the highest foot, uh, footfall. Um, you have, I guess, something similar like that outside anyway. So um, you're on the main street. Right? So the idea then is that it needs to be as tranquil as possible, as calm as possible. That means we need to be careful simple things like our mobile phone just so that we're not disturbing others because our phone rings, right? Because that is considered to be a disturbance to others. What we don't want the masjid to become is that it loses its primary focus. And the Prophet ﷺ actually spoke about this. That the masjid should never, uh, should not be just elaborate buildings sophisticatedly decorated, elaborately decorated. They should be places from which guidance is disseminated. So for example, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this hadith related by Imam Bayhaqi in his Shu'abul Iman. He says, Ali radiallahu anhu relates that a time will come upon the people when, I mean this is talking about probably very extreme times when the only aspect of Islam that will remain is its name. People will be Muslim by name. Inshallah, it's not like that yet. I don't like to be negative. I don't like to be so pessimistic. But I don't think it's like that yet. But we're definitely, it's going in that direction. Then he says, and the only thing left of the Quran will be its script. And inshallah, that's definitely not the case, especially in Ramadan. And while the rest of the, rest of the year, the Quran does remain like a script. 
and a lot of people don't read it. So we're contributing to this sign, essentially. And the third thing the Prophet ﷺ said, that they will construct their masajid, يَعْمُرُونَ masajidahum. They will construct it, they will inhabit the masajid. وَهِيَ مِنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ But they will be devoid of the dhikr of Allah. So they're coming to the masjids, but they're devoid of the dhikr of Allah. Alhamdulillah, I don't think we have... Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed the community in England that we don't have this problem. There's another country that I stayed in where it was really sad that even in Ramadan, they would, if there was an iftar program, you would have a huge amount of people in the masjid for the Maghrib and for the iftar. But by Tarawih, people would have left. Alhamdulillah, in England, we have more people in Tarawih than in iftar. Right? Alhamdulillah, people faithfully pray Tarawih, even if they may be missing other prayers outside of Ramadan, because it's worse in the so social psyche to miss Tarawih than it is to miss your Fajr on a normal day, which is sad, right? Um, this is not to say turn it around, this is just to say that make sure that we consider all other prayers to be as important, I mean more important in fact, because those are fard prayers. But seriously, I've seen this where on an iftar night, there will be so many people for iftar, it'll be packed, and then suddenly for Tarawih you've got um, less people left because everybody's gone. That just shows they've come for food. A friend of mine went to a masjid, he was invited for an, uh, an appointment, he had an appointment in fact. The appointment was maybe about 8 o'clock in the morning or 7.30 in the morning before people go to work. It was in a weekday I think. So the Fajr was maybe about 6.30 or 7. His appointment was to be an Imam there. He was going in for an, an appointment to be an Imam in that masjid. They were looking for an Imam. He gets there for Fajr and there's hardly anybody there. So then he waits. Or he must have called somebody and said, don't worry we're coming. So they came for the meeting but they didn't come for the Fajr. So people are running the masajid, right? They're building masajid, they're embellishing masajid, and so on and so forth. But the guidance, the purpose of it is not there. The purpose is not there. We, one of the problems we do have in the UK, since we're on the topic, this wasn't planned, but this was on, it's, it's related, is that, mashallah, we have many masajid, and inshallah, this masjid is not one of those, from what I know. They spend huge amounts in beautifying their masajid. In things that are not even necessary, right? Beautifying the back wall, or the side walls, or the front wall. I mean, you know, beyond what's decent and just graceful and decent. But they don't pay their imams. So the imams don't have, unfortunately, half their heart is not here. They have to get a second job. They focus elsewhere. So they can't give their dedication to the masjid motivation. The committee is also only focused on just maintaining the masjid. They're not focused on doing one masjid. You know, for some, some masjid, what we have is that finding volunteers for a masjid is very difficult. And mostly everybody is generally a volunteer in a masjid. There's one masjid where they, they had a team outside which are volunteers. They organize the lectures and everything. They bring the speaker and everything. All the committee has to do is to open up the masjid. So this is a Saturday, Sunday, Saturday morning. Um, they're too lazy to come and open a masjid. Okay, give us the key, we'll open it. No, we can't give you the key either. So what should we do? Well, cancel the program. Right? Cancel the program. I mean, you've got it up to this level. It's not everywhere, alhamdulillah, mashallah, many dedicated volunteers in masjids and so on. But that's the idea that this hadith, we should understand that the whole idea of a masjid is that we need to do output of deen, da'wah, as much as possible so that we're encouraging much more 
adherence to the faith as opposed to just social programs. Remember the Christians have been there, they are there right now, where they thought that to invite more people to the church, let us do more relief work from the churches, let us do more uh, so-called enjoyable stuff, chilling out programs, and it hasn't done anything. Because people are not, you know, for chilling out and relaxing and enjoyment. There's a lot of other ways out there. You don't have to come to a mosque or a church to do that, right? At the end of the day, if you want to enjoy yourself, you know, for your base desires, there's a lot of stuff out there. Why would you need to come to a church for? Right? So when people come to a masjid, and what the churches are now saying, what many Christians are saying is that we've lost. Because people are looking for rigor. People are looking for a sense of devotion. Right? And that is only religions provide. Alhamdulillah, Islam still provides that. So that, that's the idea of a masjid. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that Sharru ahli thalika zaman ulama'uhum. The worst of the people of that time will be their ulama. This is why the masajid are the way they will be. Right? Because he blames the ulama. They're supposed to be looking after these masajid, but they're allowing these things to happen. And seriously, a friend of mine, he went to Venezuela for jama'ah. Uh, this was about 15 years ago and he said the person that took them around to visit Muslims the gasht you know the jola was a woman none of the men were prepared so it was a woman who had that, that the, a woman doing gasht I mean that's unheard of in the UK be prohibited you know according to the jama'a rules but there you had no other option they were gonna have a they were gonna have a, a special meeting party in the masjid and basically they started bringing in because people unfortunately they've lived through some really bad times there so they drink right. they drink so the masjid the cellar was being filled with drinks with with basically wine or beer or whatever it was for the food party they were gonna have alhamdulillah i know for us we think this is a blasphemy this is never gonna happen here and inshallah it will never happen but i was just recently in bukhara and samarkand in uzbekistan and then kazakhstan and they were essentially forced to do this kind of stuff. In fact, until today, in one of those countries in Kazakhstan, a lot of people still drink. A friend of mine there, who's, mashallah, trying to be practicing, he said, I had to fight so hard that in my wedding, no wine would be served. Like we had to, because the, my parents, although we've stopped drinking, my father, and etc., you know, they don't drink. Um, but they were like, what are the relatives going to say? That no wine was served. Right? It's still like that. In Uzbekistan, alhamdulillah, it's a lot better. But Kazakhstan is still undergoing some... They're closer to Russia. They're, they're a lot more influenced there, unfortunately. They're still not out of it fully. And so on. May Allah make it easy for them. But you have to remember, these were places for... These were places where you would never have expected. This is where the places where Bukhari and Tirmidhi and Samarkandi and all of these people came from. You would never expect that. So... We are the ones who have to make sure that we maintain the status quo and we improve it all the time. There's a hadith that I'm going to mention a few hadiths here about the virtues of coming to a masjid. Why do we come here? We've already mentioned you come here for the mercy. You come here for tranquility. We come here to connect with Allah. You come here to get greater reward. Imam Abu Dawud relates this from Umama radiallahu anhu. He says that the Prophet ﷺ said, Whoever departs his home, mutatahiran, 
seeking purity. It's already a lot of the time. It's the the virtue is that if you make wudu at home and you come to the masjid, you get greater reward. Obviously, the masjid's less water gets used here. But I don't know. I mean, I guess a lot of people they enjoy making wudu in the masjid because it's just more convenient the way you know the way it's set up than making wudu on a sink. And then sometimes they have the there's one masjid. They refuse to have Indian toilets, the low-pan toilets there. The Asian low-pan toilets, because they said that people just come and use them. Because they don't have them at home. They're healthier, that's why. Right. But anyway, whatever the case is, the virtue is that you make tahara. You have your wudu, etc. from home. And you come to the masjid for the fourth prayer. فَأَجْرُهُ كَأَجْرِ الْحَاجِ muhrim. The reward he gets for a fourth prayer in the masjid, according to this narration, is like the... Haji, who's in ihram. So it's a huge reward we're getting. Right? The base reward of a haji you'll get at least. Then the Prophet wasallam said that whoever leaves his house for, he said, لِتَسْبِيهِ duha. Tasbihi duha means basically the salatul duha prayer. Now there's a difference of opinion as to whether your nafil prayer should be best prayed at home or in the masjid. According to some ulama, like some of the shafis, they actually say that even your nafil prayer should be done in the masjid. So he's saying that whoever does that, for example, if it's mid-morning and you're passing the masjid and you go inside to, you, you, you pray there, then his la yansubuhu illa iya, the only reason he left his house is to go and pray in the masjid, right? Then he gets the reward of a umrah. He gets the reward of umrah. And wasalatun ala ithri salatin la lagwa baynahuma this is something you can do in Ramadan especially. To uh, pray one prayer after the next without indulging in any vain talk or useless talk or redundancy. Basically, for example, Asr to Maghrib, inshaAllah, this is not redundancy that we're dealing with. So you've, you've prayed Asr here and a lot of you will be waiting for Maghrib. Some of you may leave and come back. Some of you are waiting. But to pray one prayer after the next, right, uh, without any kind of vain talk in between, the reward is that you get your name written in the illiyin. Now, what is the illiyin? Allah mentions that in the Quran. وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا إِلِّيُّونَ كِتَابٌ مَرْقُومٌ يَشْهَدُهُ الْمُقَرَّبُونَ The illiyin is the is that record for the highest of the high people. So anybody who does this from one prayer to the next, you need a lot of dedication to do that. Because people have things to do. You've got work to do, you've got other activities to do, you've got your phone to worry about and WhatsApp messages to check. So at the end of the day, if you are going to dedicate from one prayer to the next, the easiest is probably Asr to Maghrib, right? Because Fajr to Dhuhr would be tough. That's work time. So subhanAllah, that's why, maybe that's why the Masajid, they keep the Asr time in Ramadan very close to Maghrib so that it gives the people the opportunity to sit in the Masjid and at least spend that time. But have this intention. Because the more you have intention, the more you connect yourself to Allah, the more reward that you get. The second hadith I want to mention is related from Buraida. So can you imagine all the reward you're getting by sitting here? Did you even know you're going to get that much reward? Or did you just come to meet him? He came to meet you. So, Buraida radiallahu an, he relates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, بَشِّرِ الْمَشَّائِينَ فِي الظُّلَمِ إِلَى الْمَسَاجِدِ بِالنُّورِ التَّامِّ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ This is for your Isha and Fajr. 
Give glad tidings to those who walk in the darknesses of night, basically, to the masajid. Give them the glad tidings of a complete light, a perfect light on the Day of Judgment. Now remember, on the Day of Judgment, there will be no light, except the light of your faith and your deeds. Right? And that's why the munafiqeen will be saying to the mu'mineen that, wait up, naqtabis min nurikum. Let us try to use some of your light. So Allah says, no. فَالْتَمِسُوا نُورًا فَضُرِبَ بَيْنَهُمْ بِسُورٍ لَهُ حِجَابٍ that there's going to be a veil put between them. So this is the virtue you get for Fajr, walking to the masjid, especially if you live, live close by, walk to the masjid. Don't, don't use the fuel of your car and pollute the atmosphere, right? Even if you have a car, use a bike if you can, right? Use your walking as much as possible. Don't, don't, seriously. It's bad for the environment, it's bad for everything. And it's not healthy either. And the last hadith I want to mention is from Sahih Muslim. Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu reports that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man ghada ila al-masjidi, aw raha, a'adda allahu lahu nuzulan fil jannah, kullama ghada aw raha. Every time in the morning or evening, you come to the masjid. Morning or evening, for every time you come, Allah is going to prepare for you a hospitality in paradise. A dastarkhan. A nice, you know, spread of food. It's just not food. When, when, you know when dignified, generous and noble people, when they host you, then it's not just about food. They also give you a gift at the end of it. They also, mashallah, treat you well. And they, it's not just about food. So when we're talking about Allah providing a hospitality, then imagine what that kind of hospitality must be. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to frequent the masjid because there's one hadith that I should definitely mention, which is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِذَا رَأَيْتُمْ الرَّجُلِ إِذَا رَأَيْتُمُ الرَّجُلَ يَعْتَادَ الْمَسْجِدِ If you see a man who's constantly in the masjid, he's always coming to the masjid. If you see a person like that, Bear witness that he's a believer. That's amazing. On the day of judgment, there's any trouble, people are going to say, no, he used to come to the masjid, he's a believer, Jannah. He's a believer. That's major, it's, it's a big deal. Because we all think we have faith. And unfortunately, sometimes people lose their faith without realizing. For example, they say that drinking, is such a bad sin, though some people may not think of it to be so serious, that it could you think you're a mu'minary, it could deprive you of the kalima on your death. I'm not saying he's a kafir, because he thinks it's haram, but it could deprive you of the kalima, la ilaha illallah, on your deathbed. That's how bad drinking is, even a glass of wine or a beer or anything like that, alcohol. Right? So the thing here is that if you're coming to the masjid, inshallah, it's going to have huge benefits and people will bear witness that you are a believer. Why? Because Allah subhanahu, the Prophet said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, إِنَّمَا يَعْمُرُ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ The people who inhabit the masajid, who basically enliven the masajid, who populate the masajid, are those people who believe in Allah and the last day. And anybody who believes in Allah and the last day, they are mu'mineen. So inshallah, this gives us great reasons now to not limit our frequency, frequency of uh, frequenting the masjid to just Ramadan. 
but the masajid are still there after Ramadan. The light is still there here. The rahmah is still there. Same Allah who can still give as much as we expect that He can give us. So we ask Allah to allow the lights of this Ramadan to continue beyond, well beyond the month of Ramadan and make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك تياذ الجلال والإكرام اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا وهدنا وارزقنا Oh Allah, we ask you for your mercy. Oh Allah, we ask you for your benevolence. Oh Allah, this is a month of generosity. Oh Allah, we see so many people acting so generous, giving so generously distributing so much food and so much zakat and sadaqat and so much wealth, feeding so many people. Oh Allah, this is the generosity of Ramadan we experience. Your Messenger وسلم, was considered to be the most generous in the month of Ramadan when he was reciting the Quran with Jibreel Oh Allah, if this is their generosity, then your generosity we can only already see by the fact that you have closed the doors of hellfire. You've opened the doors of paradise and you've removed the shayateen from us. Oh Allah, then do not deprive us of your forgiveness during this month. Oh Allah, we have many sins to our name. We have many wrongdoings and defects and deficiencies. Oh Allah, we ask that despite us not being worthy, that you grant us complete, full, complete purification, complete purity. We ask you forgiveness from those sins that we remember, especially those that we've forgotten. Oh Allah, those that we... Ha, th those that we've done knowingly and those we did unknowingly. Oh Allah, but especially those sins that have now become part of our life and we've stopped even considering them sins anymore. Oh Allah, imagine if we turn up on the day of judgment with all of these sins only to recognize on that day that these were sins and we thought we were doing good. Oh Allah, do not make us of such deprived people. Oh Allah, every night we've been promised that people will be written to be freed from the hellfire. Oh Allah, write us in these, in, in these nights of Ramadan to be freed from the hellfire. Oh Allah, make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. Oh Allah, oh Allah, allow us to be closer to you this Ramadan than we've ever been before. But oh Allah, keep us close. Oh Allah, bless, oh Allah, bless all those and grant purification to all of those who are here and do not let us return from here without being forgiven. Oh Allah, we ask that you remove the oppression the subjugation, the violence and the problem that many people are going, on, uh, that, that many people are going through around the world. Oh Allah, remove that from them. Oh Allah, bring back humanity to the human being. Oh Allah, make us true representatives of your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Oh Allah, send your abundant blessings on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi.